Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S. And each week, we focus on their stories. This is CBS Eye on Veterans. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. Reporting for ConnectingVets.com, I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. And uh, we're going to continue our conversation this month on veteran-owned businesses. In a month marked by mental health concerns, Suicide Prevention Week, and all things that are good and noble. But I find that rebooting your life can often begin with a new career. And nobody understands how to switch careers more than veterans. Because whether you do it when you're young in life or you do it when you're older, there comes a point when you must leave the military and reinvent who you are. Because most jobs in the military don't exist in the civilian sector which is why I want to highlight some of the best veteran stories that I've heard. And they all revolve around veterans creating their own business. We'll start with Alejandra Amegan, who's a U.S. Navy veteran. She left the service in 2001 after being enlisted for three years, and she's a business owner, yoga educator, and a whole-body holistic wellness advocate. Her business, Vive Yoga, aims to be an accessible and inclusive business focused on connection, conversation, healing, and growth through holistic medicine. But she didn't just get there by herself, and we're going to unpack the paths she took to get there, including the great work being done by Syracuse University's Institute for Veteran, Military, and Families Entrepreneurship Boot Camp for Veterans. So with that, let me say hello to my fellow shipmate, Alejandra of Megan. How are you? Hello, shipmate. I'm great. Thank you for having me. Good to see you. And we use that most sincerely in this conversation as we were talking. We were we were we were both on carriers, and yeah. uh, yours had a unique nickname. Tell me about the or the ship you were on. 
Yes, I was on the USS John F. Kennedy, and um, it was AKA the love boat. I thought we were the only love boat, but after speaking with you briefly, apparently yours was love boat too. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly an interesting time to be on a carrier in the 90s. Yeah, yeah we were the first co-ed carrier, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I suppose it could have had the name love boat. And the Kennedy was down in Florida. You were training ops for young pilots. That would, would have been some of the first training they did on a carrier was on the Kennedy. So we had some unique experiences. Tell me a little bit about life in the Navy. Tell me a little bit about your takeaways. We touched on them sort of mm-hmm. offline before we started the call, but um you're a woman joining the Navy at a young age. Mm-hmm. Tell me about what that was like culturally, what it taught you and, you know, some experiences you had from Navy in the 90s. Yeah. So although I came in at peacetime, um, you know, my family still had this this idea that, you know, military, I was automatically going to go pick up a gun and shoot someone. And so my family was so against it and especially fearful since, you know, I'm a 411 Hispanic woman. Um, so they're like, you can't, you know, you're going to go out there and, 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 and it was absolutely the opposite of what, you know, this picture that my family painted in my, in my, in my head. Boot camp was probably the hardest thing that I did. Um, you know, immediately getting off the bus, uh, the yelling and, and I'm like, who, who are they yelling at? Who are they talking to? Oh, me. <laughs> So, you know, boot camp was a, a really rude awakening. And, um, you know, after about three weeks, settled in, you know, learned how to play the game and learned, you know, to not speak unless I was spoken to, that kind of thing. But I understood, you know, once I got onto the aircraft carrier, the, carrier, the importance of the foundation that boot camp had laid, you know, just attention to detail, you know, be meticulous about everything, you know, be prepared for everything, read, you know, your instructions over carefully, check every step because it really served me once we were on the carrier supporting the air op missions, you know, especially out at sea. But I had a really wonderful experience in the military. I cannot complain. Uh, we traveled up and down the East Coast, you know, Cherry Point. Um, we're, we were up in New York um, for, um, what is it, the week? Um, Fleet Week. Fleet Week, yes, Fleet Week. We were up there for a while. So, I mean, it felt like it was just this, like, really long cruise that I was on. And, you know, pulling in down to the Caribbean and spending a few days there, floating back up to Florida. So I I, I had a wonderful time, um, you know, built that camaraderie, that brotherhood, sisterhood. I was the only female in a division of about 50 men. We were in V2, um, which is the arresting years you know, what the, the jets hook on to when they land. So, um, so I, I mean, I, I had a great time. I felt protected. I felt supported. I felt safe. It was just a good experience for me. And I want to say that kind of Airedale on the flight deck, were you guys the green shirts? Green shirts. Yes. Yeah. Interesting side note for those listening on an aircraft carrier, everybody's jersey or everyone's shirt is a certain color and it shows you who they work for. So you've got the red shirts. Those are the ordnance men. You've got another color. I think it's purple or something that uh-huh. was the fuel guys. The arresting gear guys, I remember, because they were dirty. You guys, that arresting gear constantly had to have maintenance done on it. You were usually coming to chow, like, covered in grease. Yeah. I, I mean, it was a tough duty because you're in charge of maintaining the equipment that that the jet's tail hook connects to and mm-hmm. secures the landing on the flight deck and mm-hmm. you know 
for any plane landing six, 700 miles an hour. I mean, that was crucial. Lives were on the line. And did you find that when later in life, and we'll get to this, but did you find that later in life, the lessons from the Navy were helpful because you didn't overlook little details? Absolutely. And the job's not done until the mission is complete. Um, like we just, we, we, you know, we were up for 18 hours a day, 20 hours a day, you know, sometimes we'd just sleep for two hour break. So we, we, there was no off, you know, how, and now in, in, in regular in my, my life now, I can turn the computer off and say, okay, I'm done. I'm going home. There was no going home. It was, you, you get the job done and you stay and do whatever's required. And so that's like the attitude and, and what I bring forth now in my business. The job's not done until it is done. Whatever goal that I've made marked. We're, we're not leaving. We're not done until that's done. And that's hard sometimes because not everybody has that military background. And though I understand it, I know it, I know it's possible. You know, sometimes if you've never been enlisted, understanding that mentality is like, no, you're crazy. Just go home. We'll finish it tomorrow. And I'm like, no, but the mission, <laughs> sometimes that's a little bit tough, but it has really served me um tremendously. In fact, in my own small business journey, I've found actually kind of a, a joy or even like I reminisce about being that young enlisted guy when it's the end of the night and I'm the one cleaning my van. I'm the one mm. doing maintenance on the equipment. I'm the one putting everything away, mopping out the garage, you know, like any number of things take me right back to being that like, yes, you know, I was a 21 year old kid. I, I, I did everything asked of me, but I was always like, Oh, this, why does he want this done? This is horrible. But you powered through. You didn't, right. You know, you didn't complain. You didn't whine. You didn't need a timeout. You didn't need to go talk to someone. There are times mm-hmm. in life when, you know, you have to just get things done, whether it's business ownership, heck, even parenthood, you have to power through. I love that your Navy background gave you that ability. Now let's talk veteran to veteran here. You get out, right? You were enlisted. I was mm-hmm. enlisted. What did that path look like? And what kind of, where'd you go before you went on the business journey? Yeah. So I, um, I eventually went on to become a respiratory therapist, went back to school. Um, and you know, um, the, the, the VA benefits served as well there and, um, you know, got my certification, my degree and was working at different hospitals here in Jacksonville. So I stayed local, you know, just kind of fast forward. Kids came, you know, raised two daughters and I found that during COVID, uh, running vents, you know, people not in good situations left and right of me and before I used to be really fulfilled in, in my career as a respiratory therapist because I felt like, you know, I was, what I was doing was helping people. And, you know, I would have patients, you know, for two, three days. And then, you know, on the third day, you know, I'd see them not on my list of patients anymore because they've gotten better and they've gone home. There was no, again, no going home in a different scenario with COVID. People weren't going home. And, um, the one thing that I connected was, I did see, you know, a lot of black and brown people in, you know, in worse cases with no good outcome, not just because of COVID, but because their health prior to COVID was already in such terrible shape. COPD, you know, a lot of chronic disease. And so that is really what prompted me to say, I think 
that my purpose has served me up to this point very well. And, you know, I've done great, but now I think I can do something different to serve this population in preventative measures so that we don't end up in the same place again. Fast forward, you know, after I get out of the military to 2020, I decide to open up a business, which most people would have been like, oh, entrepreneurial suicide, um, you know, because who's going to open up a holistic center yoga studio where people are breathing on each other at a time when we're like six feet away. Don't breathe on me. Don't cough on me. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, cause I even remember when I would go, um, you know, I'd have to stop at the store and, and pe- maybe some people didn't realize this, but when I was in the hospital, you know, we changed scrubs when we got there and we'd take off our scrubs, you know, before we went home and I would put a different clean set of scrubs on. But I remember passing people on the street or if I had to pull into the gas station or, you know, grocery store, people would walk on the other side of the street from me, um, you know, just because of my outfit. And they just identified me as a hospital worker. You know, she's, you know, potentially contagious. So let me walk away from her. And even then having experienced that, I thought I'm going to open up a business right now. Talk about so, determination to defy the odds. Uh, yeah. That is awesome. It's one of the reasons I'm so glad to sit down with you and hear this story. Before we jump to IVMF, I didn't realize that it was it was so profoundly connected to the COVID era. Was there a moment that really was a wake-up call that said, I need to go lay hands on people and fix the root cause because this is too hard to see every day? Yes, yes. The The moment came when my phone was going off. I couldn't get to patients fast enough. And, you know, we had vents everywhere. We had um, areas that were used for storage that were now converted into ICUs. And so I was not able to catch my own breath. My nerves were shot. You know, we'd go into critical situations and it would take me a minute to just get my thoughts together, like, what do we do? Like I would freeze and just the stress level was so high. And I thought, this is not good for anybody. Like we, we're not going to make it like, we're going to get sick. Something's going to happen. I cannot keep doing this. I would go home and I would stare at the wall, like just totally disconnected, um, like completely lost, like unfulfilled. Like, what am I doing? People are dying all around me. Like this can't, I, I just can't keep doing this. And at the time, there was really no like end in sight. We didn't know, you know, if things were coming, there was still no vaccine. Um, so I was just like, I, I'm going to die. I'm going to die doing this because my heart's going to stop. And I'd already suffered a, um, heart attack at 40 a couple of years prior to that. So I was like, I cannot keep doing this. If I want to be able to help people, I've got to do something different for myself and then later be able to help the community. Mm. Well, thank you for kind of making that vivid, you know, that vivid picture of that era, man, that year was a huge time of transition for so many Americans. Mm -hmm. Sadly, some were transitioning out of life. They were affected by that deadly virus. Others were mm-hmm. just in the healthcare community, rocked to their core, trying to treat and do what they were trained to do. And it was just an overwhelming experience. Uh, Absolutely. but it did, 
it did give birth to new things. And that's what I kind of mm-hmm. love about your story, deciding to double down, to serve people in a different way, to help make a difference in people's health and do it outside of the confines of the hospital community, the rules and federal regulations that everybody's following and mandates that are being ordered. You were like, no, 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 no. I want to do something to help fix people. Talk to me about how it was that you came up with the idea for your business. And then let's track that up to your involvement with the Syracuse University program, uh, the Institute for Veterans Military Families. Yeah. So going back to the hospital, um, you just made me remember something. I remember, um, we had like, we would have these team huddles and staff meeting, you know, with the hospital, hospital wide. And, um, I remember one day we were on a call and, um, there was, there was this kind of running joke of employees going to the bathroom to cry just for a moment. And, um, so one day in a staff meeting, I was like, do you guys think we could designate like a area other than the bathroom where we can go cry and, you know, just like, vent, work it out, whatever we needed to do, just like a nice soothing area that's, you know, not the bathroom. And so I remember um, the hospital where I was at um, implementing these wellness areas on every floor. And um, they were so nice. They put in a massage chair, like low lights, candles, um, aromatherapy. And, and um, that also in seeing the difference in attitude from a patient who would come in with a positive mentality. Um, when I would get patients that would come in, and this is like terrible to say, but I remember that I would get patients that would come in and be just totally just nerve shot. You know, I can't breathe, not able to control their breath. I'm like, this one's not going to make it. This one's going to make it. You could almost like see it it started to become this like trend. This one's going to struggle. This one's going to be good. And it was, I, it was always about that, that mentality and that, you know, that ability to persevere and to push through it, control the breath, control your thoughts, you know, follow the instructions, do as you're told and you'll, you know, you'll do better. You'll get out. So those two things kind of said, okay, I, I'm on to something here. If I can change how people view their narrative, their outlook on life. You know, what is the self-talk up here? What are they holding in the body? What's the stress? Where's all the tension? You know, if we can, if I can work through that with that, then maybe we can start changing the health and, and the path that somebody's going to go on. You know, whether it be with COVID or just life in general, you know, it, it's kind of what I had to adopt, you know, just coming from a life of struggle, of abuse as a child. Yoga is really what, what changed me and helped me become who I am today. So it's like all of those pieces came together and I finally said, okay, I'm doing it. I've got what it takes. I'm going to go open up a business. And so, um, you know, July 2020, I opened a holistic center with no knowledge of business, no knowledge of anything. I signed a lease in 30 days. We turned around, opened the doors because I knew I needed to make money. Um, you know, wasn't sure how I was going to do it, had no plan, um, and opened. And, you know, thank God, two and a half years later, we're still here and um, even looking to open up a second location spring of next year. So much I want to unpack there. I know, right? Just kind of, I'll just kind of highlight one of the small details, and that is in your experience in the professional medical community, 
you've actually witnessed the power and the efficacy of just having your mind right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's everything. It is everything. The cells, the body's listening all the time. And whatever you tell it, it will do. Which also can explain on the positive side how some people in the military are considered so heroic for being able to do these physical things, Mm -hmm. for being able to achieve and survive in these, you know, horrible war conditions. Their mind was right. That's why some of the elite of the elite, the special forces, uh, rangers, seals, they master their mind first and then the body can follow. So cool to see you put that in action. So cool to see inspiration come from a really hard situation in America. You decided to jump on in with both feet and um, you formed Vive Yoga Studio. You'd started a business, but you'd said very limited business experience. You were, after all, a respiration therapist. You had worked in the medical community. Is that what said to you, okay, now I need training. I'm a woman veteran. There are some resources out there. Is that what made you kind of then go down the path with Syracuse University? No, it was, it was, (laughs) it was a lot of lessons, a lot of hard lessons, a lot of struggles that, um, you know, and I kind of, it, it was so interesting because um, Syracuse IVMF came at the perfect time. I was praying for guidance. I needed a teacher. I needed somebody to come in because as the business owner, I was the teacher for everyone else, you know, for, for, for everyone under me. And I needed direction. I was just putting out fires every day it felt like. And I thought, there's got to be another way. And I, you know, was seeking out courses here and there, wherever I could, you know, given the time constraint, I would do what I can to learn. So the willingness was already there. The, 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 the knowledge and acknowledgement that I need help was already there. Like we said earlier, I was just trying to fly the plane and not crash it. And I, I made, I made several close landings touches, you know, and I was able to pick us up really quick, really fast. But I think that goes back to my military um, training in my military days if there's just no failure. There is no failure. Like whatever we need to do, we need to do it. Now, how do I apply it to modern day? You know, we'll make it up as we go. But I knew I needed structure. I knew I needed help. I knew that I needed some kind of foundational going back to the foundation of what I had created. And I, I didn't exactly know where to get it until a friend of mine who was with the SBA at the time said, Hey, why don't you try this. And I was like, done doing it, registered, had no clue what I was signing up for. I was just so desperate for help because I knew that if I sustained the way that I was going, I was going to end up in the same place as I was in the hospital, burnt out, you know, not knowing where to go, like, you know, looking for something else to do because that wasn't it. That wasn't the way. And it was going to cause too much um, harm on my my stress, emotional, my family life was already being affected. You know, I was just all over the place. So in comes IVMF. Yeah. Spoken like every true business owner. Yeah. <laughs> Your first couple of years, you're just putting out fires. You're struggling yeah. to keep the lights on. You're just trying to take your dream and monetize it and make a successful company. But boy, so many things happen you are not prepared for and you have to adapt. So yeah. with that, you wanted the training and you attended Entrepreneurship Boot Camp for Veterans, which is a mm-hmm. cohort held at Syracuse University as part of the Institute for Veterans and Military Families. Tell me about the program. What happened when you got there and 
what you learned. Oh, my goodness. So they said, you know, oh, you'll have to do a few hours on a week online. And then we'll that was phase one was an online portion. And then phase two was going to be an in-person portion at Syracuse University. So the the I thought, OK, cake, no what? No big deal. Whatever. Another check off the list, another fire to put out. I'll do it. And then I started doing it. And it really made me take a hard look at where we were at my numbers our future projections, which I had never even thought of. You know, I'm just like trying to make it through today. I'm just like, okay, my, my lights are on. My rent's paid this month. Okay. We made this month. Now let's move on to next month. I wasn't thinking about a year, five years, you know, 10 years. And so phase one of the IVMF program, EBV, um, made me look at those things, you know, because you think too in entrepreneurship that you're all alone. Nobody's got it like me. Everybody's got it so good. You know, and you see other, other entrepreneurs and you think they're so successful. They must know everything about business. But then, um, in phase one with IVMF, we started reading stories about, um, like the, uh, Starbucks and how it started. And I was like, and it's humble beginnings and how, you know, the owner had to go out and beg for money and raise all this capital to be able to, you know, open one store. So it was really nice to read stuff like that and to learn, okay, no, I'm not by myself. It has been done before, and if he could do it, I can do it. So it forced me also to look at my numbers, taxes, my business plan that was non-existent. How do I make money? I didn't even know how I made money. I just, you know, was nice to people. Hopefully they'd buy my service. Okay, I made money. You know, there was no strategy. I thought I could just smile at people all day and it would work. But learning, maybe if I have a strategy in place, then I know exactly what works and what doesn't. And actually, that can be a, a, a guaranteed way. If I do these things, follow the strategy strategy that I know is proven to work, because now I'm leveraging data, I'm leveraging numbers, I'm leveraging, oh, my bank statement's looking better. Okay, I know this works. Let's implement this, you know, and then go forward. There was no strategy. There was no foundation. There was no plan. There were no policies. There were just, it was just like day by day. So changing that, learning that in phase one was that in itself was like, oh my gosh, tremendous. And it sounds like, like maybe to somebody listening, it would sound like common knowledge or like, just like you should know that as a business person, but I didn't, I didn't have the business background. I didn't know that. And what I found, you know, once we went into phase two, there were a lot of people like me. I think most everybody. And even though, you know, some of them I would, I would hear, you know, what their venture was and would be so impressed. But also we had the same questions and the same concerns. And I'm like, Oh, we're in the same place. So it was really nice to be in a room of people who were on different levels of their, of their, um, entrepreneurship journey, but also with the same concerns. So to kind of learn from these amazing instructors that EBF provided, um, you know, we, we talked about numbers. We talked about leveraging technology. We talked about marketing. We talked about our own brand, you know, building ourselves as a brand. Um, so many things that I had known all of that before. I don't think my, str- I know that my struggle wouldn't have been as difficult. My climb, you know, would not have been as rough. I love everything you've put out there because, you know, in starting a business, I've often felt the same way. Like, wow, I, I need to get better at this because I'm just not making money here. But 
you don't know where to go for that. And whether it's Silicon Valley, a computer chip or just a coffee truck, we start with this great idea. We're able to kind of monetize it among our friends, our neighbors, our family. And we think, look, I'm, I'm a business. But there's so many more nuanced details mm-hmm. at that second level of just simply having your product go to market and sell a few of them. So once you finished IVMF's program, and again, specifically, what was the name of the program you were in? Entrepreneurship Boot Camp for Veterans. And it was that- truly a boot camp. It's not just a cute word for like, right. oh, military boot camp. It was like we were up, you know, and in class, seated, learning for 10 hours a day. And then, you know, we'd have dinners and get to meet with former graduates of EBV program or professors from Syracuse University or, I mean, just all over. I think we had a professor from Canada as well. Um, so then we'd have an opportunity to talk to them. And, you know, they would, like, they were truly there and interested in us and what where we were headed and what was working, what wasn't, and then were giving us feedback. It's so different. You know, you go to marketing events, you go to other networking events, and it's like, oh, hey, you know, what do you do? Oh, great. That sounds great. Let's have lunch. Sure. No, this was like, I want to know what you're doing. I want to know how I can help you. I mean, there was just such a genuine interest in seeing us win and succeed. And it's, again, going back to that, that I think that military mentality, it's the mission we arrived together. It wasn't like, you know, out in, in, in the civilian world where it's like, Hey, good luck on your venture. No, it's let's go together and let's get there together. And there's very little of that in the civilian business sector. I've gone to some networking events where it's, you know, a bunch of trade and business cards. And at the end of the day, nobody cares about your business. They just want you to use theirs. And we're all trying to sell each other something. So, uh, it is really impressive to see that, that that's what EBV is all about. Uh, let's talk about application. Now you get done. You're armed with some knowledge. You certainly know a heck of a lot more about the trajectory of your business afterward than when you started the business. You yeah. jump back into Vive Yoga Studio and uh, share with me a little bit about how it's been going and some success. Yeah, so um, I implemented a lot of things, um, especially going into numbers. When we talk about numbers and, and starting to look at projections. And what's what in the business is making money and what's not. And let's stop wasting our time on those things. Yeah, two or three people like it, whatever, but it just doesn't make sense, you know, for our, our, our sustainability, for our future growth. So immediately I um, put things into action. We rebuilt our website, um, you know, to make it more user friendly. You know, we had stuff, put everything on the website and, and no, actually <laughs> less is, less is best. So cleaning up a lot of things, um, that you think, you know, won't make a difference. It actually does understanding, you know, from the IVMF training, you know, how it does play a part in the big picture. What I also learned and came back and did is, um, I thought, you know what? I've been thinking too small, like this. Business is great, but I know that I'm capable of more. And now that I feel reassured with this knowledge that, you know, I learned with IVMF, I think I'm ready to actually go do what I'm supposed to do. 
I just actually launched a new company and I'm following the model on this one. I'm applying everything that I learned with IVMF and already um, it's just completely different. So I opened up cold trust consulting firm, um, which is to help to go into um, corporate businesses or anybody launching a new product and service and um, learn how to speak to the Hispanic market. How do you reach the Hispanic market? How to build that bridge, that trust, and how to um, sell it in a relevant way that's culturally, you know, appropriate, respectful. And so now that's what I'm doing as well. And bootstrapping was a big thing that we learned. Um, you know, you think you need all of this uh, money to open up a business, and you really you don't. You know, you need the startup costs, sure, um, but then you 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 can do a lot without needing a space, without needing staff, you know, you can, you can get started. And so I've applied everything that I learned with IVMF into this business. And, you know, it's, it's taken off faster than I can even get my website up. So it's scale, which is always part of phase two of business operation, but you scaled, you went from just doing the yoga to now even expanding into consulting and helping larger companies understand the Latino market a little bit better it's like yoga for a business. They understand how to get their mind right and truly embrace, adapt, and understand the Latino community. Phenomenal work. Um, How many many days a week now is Vive Yoga open? What other services do you offer out there? So we're open seven days a week. We have classes every single day, um, you know, variety of different classes. Um, We, you know, my focus again was to serve the BIPOC communities. And right now, 78% of our members of our demographic here in a yoga, in our yoga studio are black and brown participants, which is unusual to see in a yoga studio. Um, you know, when you think about traditionally, you know, yoga spaces, what they've looked like, this one looks very different. Our, um, age group is also much younger because we've priced classes, you know, to be very affordable so that the 25 year old can afford it as much as the 45 year old, you know, who settled in the career. So we're a, a complete holistic space. We offer chiropractic, functional medicine, red light therapy, laser. So anything holistic uh, that will help deal with pain, deal with inflammation. And so one of our one of our partners that we work with now is I've turned around to serve our five star veterans. We have a five star veteran center here in Jacksonville where veterans who, you know, suffer from PTSD or just suffer from, you know, the inability to transition back out into the world. I service them here. And um, so we have a partnership and, you know, we do the wellness side and we also do the yoga, which then helps with their state of mind. And so we've seen some really amazing success stories just come out of that, um, that partnership. I'm really happy to be able to give back to the military. And what a paradigm shift, too, because I was blown away when you just said that, yeah, your demographic of the people using Vive Yoga, my wife's cousin is a yoga instructor, but you're right, the demographics of who I see using yoga, you know, as white soccer moms driving up in Mercedes right. with their little mats and they're ready and then they're going to go get, you know, a boba tea when they're done. Uh, <laughs> wonderful, but that's been the stereotype. You, again, kind of even defying some odds there by changing who you think your target market is and really opening it up to an entire new kind of consumer and then adding in the additional revenue streams from the red light therapy to chiropractic you know, now we're talking all different kinds of avenues, including things like autoimmune, accident and injury recovery. Just a phenomenal way to take that single 
revenue stream and then splinter it, you know, several different ways and you are still at your core, you're really taking the lessons from COVID 2020 and you are fulfilling those needs. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And I think, especially in that, in that demographic, in that population, you know, you're, you're dealing with a lot of cultural trauma, you know, trauma from racism, generational trauma. And my non-Hispanic and non, you know, non-black friends have had just a little bit of an edge on us in as far as wellness. You know, I think they're more proactive about their wellness, about their health, and they're seeking, you know, how do I improve my longevity? You know, how do I age gracefully? And so for us, you know, as a culture that hasn't been like a, a, a theme, it hasn't been a thing until now. I think there's, it's starting to shift. So now you're seeing more black and brown people say, you know, well, maybe the way we eat as a culture is not suiting us. It's not the best thing. You know, it's not the best thing for me to wake up in the morning and have tortillas and bread and with my coffee, although it's delicious, you know, and rice and beans at every meal, although it's delicious, maybe I can reserve it for just one. So it's just these little shifts, these little impacts that we're having, you know, with changing culture, changing, you know, I I always say culture doesn't create the people. We create the culture. So what do we want it to look like for this day and age? You know, it doesn't need to look like what it looked like 30 years ago, 40 years ago, because we're not in that time anymore. So how can we do things different? So just watching, you know, from my community that joined us two, three years ago to who they are now. And and because of that mindset change, because they've changed some of their lifestyle, you know, with their way they eat, their health, whatever, you know, I'm watching them grow and flourish as a person. Some of them, you know, are choosing the entrepreneurship path. And I'm like, yes, all about it. Well, how can I help? It, there's just been growth in so many ways coming out of this space that I'm like, okay, I'm ready for the next level. And you just nailed the ending, too, because in a month where um, we talk about mental health concerns, what you are doing for physical health, for holistic healing, non-pharmaceutical approaches, but what you just said, what you're doing about changing the path of their life, they should pursue that. Stop yeah. working for someone that tells you what you're worth. I am solidly picking up what you're putting down, Alejandra, and uh, it is all the more reason why I want to highlight veteran success stories in the business world. Uh, we've been talking much about Syracuse University's Institute for Veteran and Military Families and um, the Entrepreneurial Boot Camp for Veterans, which you are a graduate of. Where do I find more information? Yeah, you can find us at www.jacksonvillenaturalhealing.com. Um, there's a tab there of Viva Yoga. It's all under the same roof. And you can social media, you know, I'm all over the place. Viva Yoga Studio on Instagram and Facebook and Jackson Natural Healing as well. Again, that's uh, jacksonvillenaturalhealing.com. Yes, yes. Outstanding. For those in the Jacksonville, Florida area, uh, you're in good hands. I just can't thank you enough for your time. This story oh, is you, exactly what we need to hear. To me, it's the absolute best medicine we can take. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Thank you so much for having me, Philip. I really enjoyed our session and our time together. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey.
Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcast starting May 8th. Access episodes early and ad-free with 48 Hours Plus on Apple Podcasts starting May 1st.